Welcome to the Peak City Podcast. We're your hosts, Shane Reese, Alexis Jensen, Leif Jensen, Amber Keister, Nick Bryant. And I'm Heather Taylor. Today on the podcast, our guest is Apex Police Chief Jason Armstrong. Chief Armstrong was sworn in as the town's first black police chief a little more than a year ago. A native of Fayetteville, North Carolina, Armstrong came to Apex after serving two years as police chief of Ferguson, Missouri. When he was sworn in, he faced some challenges, including how to respond to reports of racial bias within the Apex Police Department. Chief Armstrong is a strong believer in community outreach, and we are fortunate today to hear how he is building trust between law enforcement and the community. Welcome, Chief Armstrong. Thank you for having me. I will uh, I will start with my first question, which kind of leads off of that uh, introduction, which is when you were interviewing for the position of police chief, were you aware that there were perceived issues of racism within the department? Yes, I was. But I, I want to harp on the words that you started with in reading. It talked about racial bias. And so and then the question, we say racism. And that's often what I hear. And that's often how people talk about what was going on here in Apex before I got here. And and so one of the things that I, I like to highlight for people is when we talk about racism, when we talk about racial bias, right, we're talking about two different things. And the reporting and the cultural assessment report that came out talked about racial bias um, being present here in this department where no matter where you go, you often find some form of bias because we're inherently biased people. And so when I was going through the interview process, even looking and doing my research on Apex, you know, I was aware of the cultural assessment report that had come out and, you know, the bias that it talked about in there. But I've, I've been doing, you know, work in this space for a long time and, and working through implicit bias and doing trainings on implicit bias and things like that. And so, you know, a report saying that there was bias that existed in human beings wasn't something that scared me away or that I didn't think that I could come in here and have an impact and, and be successful at this department. So it wasn't a surprise to you, clearly. But could you clarify then for me what what the difference is between racial bias and racism? Absolutely. So when when we talk about racial bias uh, or any bias for that matter, you know, there's normally a spectrum where things fall because we all fall somewhere on that spectrum. And so when we talk about racial bias, you know, my experiences and what I believe is majority of people have some form of bias and probably have some form of racial bias, but they fall so low on the spectrum when we talk about bias that they are not negatively impacting other people. Okay. When we talk about racism, all right, that's somebody that's going to be at the very top end of that spectrum and okay. their outlook on people and the actions that they take against individuals is going to have a negative impact on those individuals or it's their intent to have a negative impact on those individuals, i.e., you know, all right, if, if I'm racist and, and I don't like this ethnic group right here, I'm not going to give them a job or I'm not going to allow them to be promoted or different things like that, where when we talk about the spectrum of racial bias, you know, something down here on on the low end may be, all right, if I see a certain individual of a certain ethnicity dressed a certain way, my mind may go to something, you know, about that individual. Oh, they may live in this type of neighborhood or sure. they may come from this background. And that's just thoughts that's going through my head. OK, I'm not doing anything to that person. I'm, I'm not negatively impacting that 
individual. But the biases that I have within me, you know, could be something that that leads my thoughts to go to those places versus if I see that individual and now I want to go harm them because of what they look like. I'm much higher on that spectrum when we talk about bias and getting into the racism piece. And so, you know, having bias, we all have biases and, and we all have to overcome our biases, hopefully, to be good people, you know, on this earth. But just because somebody has a racial bias doesn't automatically equal that they are racist. racist. Okay. Yes. Well, thank you for that clarification. Chief, I'd also like to ask you, when you arrived, did you find the perception matched reality? And could you speak to how a perception of this nature could affect daily work for the quote unquote good officers? Yes, sir. When I arrived here, you know, one thing that I have repeated over and over is, you know, I was very pleased with the the welcome that I received in in coming here from the community and, and from the department. And so coming into a place on the heels of something like that, on a cultural assessment and all of the negative attention and negative media attention and things like that. It's hard to to not get caught up in, in all of that. And me coming in here, a big part of how you get into addressing things, really getting to the root of what's really going on is talking to the people that actually live in that space or operate in that space. And so when I early on, when I first got here, I started having one on one meetings, you know, with with the staff here and really trying to talk through and, and just really nail down what their experiences here have been. And so I, I haven't met staff here and I haven't gotten the vibe or my takeaways of my assessment of this place is that we have a racist department or, you know, officers are, are racist and they're going out intentionally trying to, to negatively impact people. That hasn't been my experience since I, I've gotten here. What I have found and something that we are, are working through as an organization is just understanding the connection of people and how people impact other people, regardless of what your race is or any of that other stuff. It's just, you know, the connectedness of individuals. And that was one of the things that really spoke to me and coming here and, and having conversations with people is like, that's really where the work really lies is if you're a jerk to somebody, the problem is that you're a jerk to them. <laughs> exactly. Okay. You are the now problem. what now, but what can, you know, magnify that is now you add in, okay, you have people of different races in that experience. And so now the person that feels as though, you know, that you were a jerk to them, now you start, you know, inquiring or wondering, like, all right, is this person being a jerk to me because I'm of a different race? Is this person being a jerk to me because I'm of a different gender or because I'm a member of the LGBTQ community? It's all of those other things that fall into place where we got to get to the root cause of the problem. And the root cause of the problem is that this individual is a jerk. And so those are the things that we need to focus on is the behaviors and the actions of things. And, and that's really where, you know, the work lies for us here and making sure that people here feel valued and understand what the expectations are of, of how we're going to treat one another and how we're going to interact with one another here, you know, so we can protect ourselves against those things where if you're not a jerk to somebody, then, you know, you don't have people that can add those attachments on to, well, this person doesn't like women or this person doesn't like young people or old people and all the other stuff that we see coming along with it. That's really has been the focus. And the second part of your question is how has, you know, the report and the reporting of this impacted good officers? That has been the biggest impact of people here. And just sitting down and talking with the officers and them explaining, you know, my kids go to school in this area. And so, man, my kids 
classmates know that I'm a police officer here. And so the reporting on this, talking about the racial bias, talking about racism and how people are feeling about this. You know, are people going to treat my kids, you know, poorly at school? My neighbors, they all know that I work here. And so now that report has painted all of us with that that broad brush. Now my neighbor is going to look at me differently. You know, am I going to get invited to the neighborhood cookout and block party and all of those things? And and that's where you really see the the impact of things, you know, on officers. And, and as I've talked to officers, you know, that has been the biggest challenge and, and the struggle and trying to work through this where individuals, some of the first ones be like, you know, tell us who are the problem people. And, and if this report is saying that we have these problems, point these individuals out so we can get rid of them because we don't want them here because they make all of us look bad. You know, if, if those things are, are really happening here. And so, you know, there there are a lot of impacts, you know, that that has on, on a department as a whole and things that, you know, the department is still working through and trying to get past and move on to, to get better. Well, in that regard, and kind of following up to what you just said, were there specific things, programs or initiatives that you created to create a more cohesive workspace other than it sounds like initially it was, let me talk to people and see how they really feel. Has it gone beyond that or has that been an effective strategy? Yes, it, it has gone beyond that. And and one of the recurring themes that I kept hearing from staff members in my one-on-one conversations with them was we needed to do a better job or we need to do a better job of camaraderie in the organization. You know, a lot of people felt as though it's just, you know, come here, come to work, put your hours in, and then you go home and you go your separate ways. So one of the things that we are currently scheduling in right now is we're going to have some team building sessions, you know, with all of the, the separate teams. And, and so we're working on getting the coverage for it to where like entire patrol shift. I'm going to bring them in off the road and we're going to sit down, and just have lunch and have some go through some team building exercises and things like that, where other teams, other officers are going to be covering uh, the streets. So I want to make sure everybody hear me on this. <laughs> we're not leaving the streets, you know, bare of officers. We're, we're working out all of the schedules to make sure that we have great coverage out there when we do these things. But just being intentional about, you know, trying to bring people together and listening to what people are telling me. And that's one of the biggest things as a police chief is, you know, your people want to know and trust that you actually are hearing them when they are talking to you and bringing things to your attention. And, you know, we're not just checking the box or saying, okay, well, I've met with everybody. And so you should be happy about that. But I'm actually listening to the things that they're saying. And we're, we're trying to implement things that we can work and make things a little bit better and, and make this, you know, uh, a better vibe and a better feel of an organization. We want people to enjoy coming to work and we want them to look forward to, to coming to work. And so anything that we can do in that space, you know, we're, we're willing to explore. I think it's always huge just like you're saying, when pe- people can feel whether you actually care or not, right? And I think that if you can meet with people and show them that you care, and then the next steps become so much easier. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing with these initiatives. So that's fantastic. Nick? So what was your top goal when you took over as Apex Police Chief? And then how is that going? So my top goal was, is just to, to make sure that we are an organization that holds ourselves accountable. And That's just my outlook of law enforcement and policing in in general. So it doesn't matter where I'm the police chief. That's always going to be my top and, and number one goal is what does our level of accountability look like? And the more that we can hold ourselves to that high standard and that level of accountability just speaks to the quality of the service that we'll be able to provide for members of this community with the professionalism and the integrity and everything that comes along, you know, with accountability. And so really, really establishing a a good foundation of what the expectations are and what our accountability is going to look like as an organization has been, you know, one of my biggest goals. 
And one of the the big changes and shifts that I've made in that space. So we have our office of professional standards and most police departments have an office of professional standards. But where we're different than than others, what one of the things that we've just implemented is normally the office of professional standards are just run by police officers or people that have been police officers that may be supervisors or what have you. And you guys mentioned earlier my time in Ferguson. And and what was critical about my time in Ferguson is the Ferguson Police Department was up under a consent decree. And the consent decree was a result of the 2014 shooting of Mike Brown in that community. And a consent decree is an agreement with the federal government about all of these reforms and mandates and changes that your police department has to undergo. And it's a it's a it's a federal document and you are assigned to a federal judge. And so every few months you have hearings and you have to go before your federal judge and talk about the progress that you're making. And that is one of the most difficult situations to find yourself in as a police department is being up under a consent decree. And so having been up under one and working through that, I understand what it takes for an organization to not end up on a consent decree. And the critical piece in that has to deal with your accountability and the measures that you put in place. And one thing that I learned in Ferguson and where we, where we, we achieved the most, you know, progress on our consent decree was we brought in a civilian to run our consent decree oversight and working day in and day out with that individual in that space and and having to work so close together on the reforms and everything that we were doing in Ferguson, it added just a valuable lens that I would not have had or I would not have seen otherwise, because when you've done this profession for so long, you see things through a certain lens on a regular occurrence on a regular basis. And I have to admit, if I would not have been forced into that situation by taking over the Ferguson Police Department, I wouldn't see the value of it on the backside of it. And so one of the things that I did here was I transitioned our professional standards unit and I have civilians that run that. And so we just hired uh, our new compliance manager is the position that runs our Office of Professional Standards, uh, Megan Simpson. She is a former judge. She's a former assistant district attorney and she's never been a police officer, but she has worked in the space with law enforcement, you know, throughout her career. And just having somebody that understands how guidance works, how policy and procedures work, how the letter of the law works, how the Constitution is applied. That's really what, you know, what you need in a position like that, that is really going to drive your accountability and your level of professionalism and your professional standards of the organization. And so she just started in September. So, you know, we're still building out, you know, that program and and that new unit for what our accountability is going to look like here at Apex. Wow, I love that. And I think that actually answers our next question about the biggest thing you'd like to see changed or improved, unless you feel like there's something else you want to add to that. Is there something other than that? So as far as improving or, or, or changing, you know, we can always improve our service to the community. That's one thing that I talk about a lot. And I'm always trying to emphasize the importance of what the service look like for us and, and what does quality service look like for members of the community. And so one of our biggest challenges is we are a fast growing community. Not only are people moving here, but, you know, the town is annexing and so it's spreading out and it's getting bigger. And so and not just what's going on in Apex, but when we look at this area, Wake County as a whole and the growth of Holly Springs 
and Chatham County is is growing a lot. And, and everybody around us, we're impacted by that because of the main thoroughfares that come through here that feed into Raleigh. And so, you know, one of the things that we know we're going to have to change is is realigning our coverage zones. We're going to need to increase staff and we're going to need to add more officers to really be able to maintain that high level of customer service, you know, that I want for the department that I'm pretty sure members of the community want in their residences or in their businesses or, you know, whatever they come to Apex for, what they spend their time in for. And so just making sure that we're being mindful of those things and really looking at it and taking it serious and making sure that we're growing as an organization to make sure that we can meet the demands of the community at the same time. You want to talk about any of the initiatives that the department is working on, such as Vision Zero or Apex Night Out, which of course is coming up tonight. We won't have that out for the podcast, but Apex Night Out is tonight. And then of course, school resource officers, anything you'd like to touch on? Yeah. So, I mean, we have a, a lot of initiatives that's going on. Some people may have seen a couple of weeks ago, we participated in an event that was called Love is the Answer. And it's a, it's a national initiative, just trying to bring community members together and, and finding different things. So we did a, a mural and Luckily, I have a good team and good staff here because I'm not an artist and, and I would not have come up with this idea. But the, the beauty of it, when I came out here that day and we were set up in the parking lot here, is we had people that were just coming to downtown Apex just to explore and take advantage of downtown Apex. And they saw us in the parking lot and people just started walking over and picking up a paintbrush and they started adding to the mural. And so, you know, just different things like that, where, you know, just on a regular day, those individuals would not have come into contact, you know, with officers or with other community members, but being able to have something, you know, like that, that brings people together. So like I said, we have Apex Night Out along with our Touch a Truck event. And this Friday, we have a, a community event going on. So there's another national effort that's called Faith in Blue Weekend. And it's the first weekend in October every year. Um, it started up two or three years ago. And the concept behind it is partnering law enforcement with local, you know, faith-based organizations, you know, to bring people together just to try to, you know, strengthen that foundation of community and and how we can leverage those partnerships and those relationships between our faith-based organizations and law enforcement. And so this Friday, will be at Apex Baptist Church for kind of like a block party. And so we'll have a, a movie showing on on outdoor screen and we'll just have different, you know, different things. And so it's being advertised through all of our local churches here, you know, them trying to get, you know, their congregations to come out to, to be a part of that. So, you know, with us, it's all about the community for me and, and all of the things that I look to do and, and decisions, you know, that we make. I'm always looking to see like, all right, man, how can we have a positive impact with people out in the community and, and doing so and really trying to to leverage and, and build and, and strengthen those relationships wherever possible. Uh, you mentioned the school resource officers, which is a tremendous, you know, asset that we have here for our department. The last couple of years, school resource officers have been in the news a lot and, and a topic of a lot of discussion nationally about, you know, is it beneficial to have officers in the schools versus officers not being in the schools? And, you know, I can speak for the Apex Police Department and the relationship that our SROs have with our students is amazing. And I can't tell you the number of times that I've met kids just out in, in public and when they learn who I am. The first thing that they say is, ooh, officer such and such is at my school. Like, we love him. We love her. 
And just constantly, you know, when I meet parents out, everybody knows the SRO at their school and, and they have nothing, you know, but positive things to, to say about them. And and as a police chief, you know, those are the things that you hope that you hear. I don't always hear good things, but those are the things that we hope people value, you know, the work and the service that the men and women of this department are, are, are doing. And to get, you know, that positive feedback is always a good thing to get. Awesome. Well, we got a couple minutes left here. So let's leave work behind a little bit and tell us a little bit about what you like to do to unwind. What do I like to do to unwind? A big thing for me is I like to cook on my smoker. And so when I first got here to Apex, the town did a video kind of introducing me to the community. And one of the things that came up in that discussion was the smoker that I had well, actually, what happened is on our, our pod, our moving pod, we ran out of room. And so I, we couldn't fit all our stuff on there. And so I'm not saying that my wife forced me to leave it behind, <laughs> but I'm just going to say some of her things made it to that last little bit of space. And some of my things didn't make it to the last little bit of space. So so I ended up, I gave my, my smoker to one of my neighbors up there. And so it took a while for me to, to get another one down here. So, you know, so I'm just now really getting to a place where I can really start getting back out there and, and breaking it in. And so that's absolutely my place of peace. Is going out there and just putting, you know, a cut of meat on that's going to cook all day long. And I, you know, I don't have anything to do. And so I can just kind of relax and, you know, just take care of the meat that's on the smoker and make sure I get a, a good product at the end of it. That's really what I like to do. I want that in, in sports. I'm a big sports guy. Oh, what's your favorite sport? Basketball. Basketball is my favorite sport. That's to play what, or to watch? Well, to both. But I was playing back in May and I tore my Achilles. Oh. And so I'm still recovering from that injury. And so my wife has retired me from playing basketball. So <laughs> so now I'm, I'm just a spectator. So now you're full-time chef, outdoor smoker, chef guy. Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. But in football, I love Sundays. Sundays are football. Sundays are football. Yeah. I always have to tell my kids, it's just football on, on TV Sundays. Absolutely. I was like, oh, mom. Anyway, well, Chief Armstrong, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today. It's just really been a pleasure and we're happy to have you. Sounds good. I greatly appreciate you all coming out and this has been enjoyable.